Hi, hello, and welcome to the Tax Files. I am Ali Kazmi. I'm a managing director at Hansuke, and welcome to my co-host. Hello, Ekta. Good morning, Ali. Good morning, listeners. My name is Ekta Kumar. As some of you may know by now, I am an associate partner for the FTSE 200 firm, Michael Page Executive, and we are the hosts of the Tax Files, a monthly tax-dedicated podcast on the most pertinent topics for tax and accounting professionals. Thank you for tuning in to what is a long-awaited episode. So, Ali, how are you? It's been a while. It has been. I've managed to uh, go to Singapore for uh, New Year. It was a family wedding. And mm. as you know what Asian families, uh, family weddings are like, super uber indulgence. Um, <laughs> and guess what I discovered? In Singapore, oh. they have things called cakeries. Oh. Yeah. What's a cakery? Loads of cakes. Oh. <laughs> Self-explanatory then. <laughs> That's <all. Yeah. laughs> The hit training is out of the window, and oh. it's now focused on cakes. So I'm a bit of a connoisseur when it comes to cakes now. Right. Tell me what's your favorite, Ali. What's the one that? What's the one you always go for? Oh, there's a special Chinese cake. It's got custard filling. I, I forget the name. I, uh, it was really good. Tea and that cake was uh, my staple diet for the two weeks that I uh, indulged to myself. Um, <laughs> So really packing in the nutrients then with uh... absolutely, absolutely. it's a bit of a rude awakening when you come back to the training um my uh personal trainer is slightly worried about my r regression anyway tell me about yourself i can see i can hear the soundtrack uh safari suit and there's that music in the background the ambience the atmosphere is there and i think the song is the lion sleeps tonight Yes, I've literally just returned from two weeks basically out in the jungle in uh, in South Africa, living my best Lion King life, really. Um, oh, it's amazing. The big five we managed to see on the first day. Um, you're getting up at the crack of dawn. It's intense, right? So Safari is not for the faint-hearted for any listeners that have done it previously. But you're, you're up at 4.30 a.m. You're doing night drives, day drives. It's just the most amazing thing. It's it's actually one of the most incredible uh, experiences. I think everyone should should kind of go on at some point. Um, it's really night. interesting because you're on their turf. You're not. They're not on your turf anymore. So <laughs> you're uh, you're at the mercy of seeing any sort of live kills or feeds or anything, which is uh, which is just amazing. Was it your first time? My third time on safari, actually, but the first time in South Africa, uh, which is also honestly incredible. We were just on the border of Mozambique, um, which was which was fantastic. Highly, highly recommend it for anyone looking to, to get some fresh air in their lungs. Yeah, I want the cheat sheet. It's on my bucket list. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. We actually managed to see a kill, funnily enough, uh, which wow. was uh, which was pretty rare. So a, a pack of lions. We took down a, uh, a a huge, huge giraffe, um, which was which was just surreal. The whole thing. It's like the circle of life. You know, you said you could hear the background. It's literally the Elton John soundtrack in the background. <laughs> you see the the kind of lions coming in and the hyenas and the vultures. It's it's just the most incredible thing. Yeah, but I hope it hasn't given you ideas. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> off to uh, off to the jungle, guys. Well, look, everybody, thank you for joining us for the seventh episode of the Tax Files. We're joined by Helen Whiteman, CEO of Chartered Institute of Taxation, 
As chief executive of the CIOT, Helen's vision is to strengthen the tax profession through leading the CIOT membership, providing education and driving a relevant policy agenda. Welcome, Helen. Good morning. Hi. So great to have you on board. And just a quick run through our usual format. We talk a little bit about your history, uh, your career background. We might discuss a little bit of taxation along the way. Uh, and importantly, we finish off with our rapid fire round, which is uh, popular or amongst most, but daunting for some. <laughs> Excellent. So, Helen, why tax? What what sort of entered you into the world of uh, world of the CIOT, and and kind of what pushed you into being really motivated and getting into that tax space? Well, uh, I'll, I'll put my hands up and be totally honest. It, it wasn't tax that that was the main driver. It was um, a professional body and an educational charity um, that that drove me to the arms of tax. Um, I was working in the legal sector at a, a legal regulator called Silex Regulation, and I'd been CEO there for about three years, and I'd been within the Silex group of companies for quite a long time, 10, 11 years, and I just had a phone call out of the blue from the recruitment agent to say, we, we know that you're potentially looking, there's a role here, what, what do you think? And I said, well, yes, I have seen it advertised, uh, I didn't really approach you um, because I don't have a tax background. I'm not a qualified accountant or tax advisor. So I thought perhaps it perhaps wasn't quite me you were looking for. Um, and the answer was, well, no, they're looking for somebody who has experience of running professional bodies. Uh, Not-for-profit background would be an, an advantage really wanting to do a lot around uh, EDI, so diversity and inclusion, climate change. Um, so I said, okay, well, in that case, I'll, I'll put my hat into the ring, so to speak. And obviously the, the rest is history. Joined the CIOT in September 2019. So pretty much I've been a, a COVID lockdown CEO for <laughs> most of the time there, um, but haven't looked back. I've really thoroughly enjoyed it um great organization really really terrific group of volunteers in particular who are either trustees on our council uh, and particularly we have a really strong technical uh, committee structure so pretty much every area of tax has its own committee and we've got experts in the field sitting on those committees working with our technical teams uh, and yeah it's uh, it's just been a bit of a whirlwind obviously with COVID because like every other organization it was getting your business online in a short mm. space of time and for us one of the big challenges particularly was around our exam function which was delivered in centers um, so a, a massive monumental amount of effort from the teams to move exams but also events and webinars online to make sure that we could continue to deliver services to members but also to volunteers and the public and um, I just I really would say that I think Covid was almost the making of us like with most businesses because it demonstrated our ability to 
react to change and do it in a positive, creative way and actually think about, well, how, how can we be more efficient and effective with those services and really, you know, go from strength to strength. So, um, yeah, it's feel like my feet haven't touched the ground and it's the same for all of the team like with you and your businesses um but i think it's you know been a really positive experience for us so helen would you say going back to when you got appointed that it was a surprising appointment or perhaps slightly different than uh you know where the trajectory might have been uh yes i mean i was totally surprised <laughs> i was surprised as the next person um but <clears throat> you know i at every stage of the recruitment process i keep making the point i'm not a tax specialist and the message was very clear mm. we we realized that but we have a whole team of tax specialists uh a committee structure and volunteers who are tax technical experts that's not what we need so you know they, they brought in someone who was perhaps out of the ordinary uh, how would you say you have uh, brought your own color to uh, the role i mean what have you done differently that perhaps you know a typical tax person would have done um well i, I guess i've as well as the if you like the core business of education uh, and then membership that follows and the tax technical um, angle of what we do I have looked more broadly at areas like equality diversity and inclusion so we've set up a, a joint committee with the association of tax technicians the ATT over the last couple of years we have now an independent chair of that committee we have now got a, a new EDI strategy for five years, which uh, we've just published on our website and will be in our um, both of our annual reports. So that's, I guess, a, a positive difference. Um, we've been doing quite a lot of work around climate change, both in terms of setting up a, ta um, a, a green tax, if you like, uh, working group. So on the technical side of green taxation, but also we have an internal staff group and we've been working with an external organization to develop our own sustainability and climate change policy um so there you know just a couple of examples of things that we've been doing that i, I guess it's it's part of being a good business isn't it a good charity yeah. uh, demonstrating yes the simplification of tax for all but also being well run and well governed we've done a lot of governance work over the last three years really getting some um, formalities in place around schemes of delegation so that we're very clear what's the remit of council, what's the remit of uh, committees that sit below, making sure that those you know, the terms of reference, for example, are mm. kept up to date and that there's a refresh of people coming through. So you get diversity of background and thoughts on committees. So I think you know membership organisations can sometimes rely on the same group of volunteers for long periods of time so we've put the structures in place to make sure that we make the most of what's available but also there's a pipeline for people to come through from different backgrounds with different expertise and it's interesting isn't it as you say there's no shortage of issues and topics and, and relevant um relevant touch points i guess with with today's world whether it be de and i or esg 
for, for an organization that was founded in, in 1930, such as the CIOT and, and kind of seeing it evolve over the years up into current day in, in 2023, what, what are some of the challenges of perhaps addressing such a vast spectrum of issues in today's sort of current world? Um, well, resourcing is always going to be a challenge. So um, our income comes from membership uh, and, and the exam side. And of course, to be a member, you have to pass the exams. And I think everybody uh, knows that the exams are tough. Uh, and perhaps deliberately so because it's they are set at level seven so you're talking about a master's degree level qualification and um, once you you'll pass your exams you're then invited to join membership and we have about around about 700 people who would be eligible for membership per year because we have two exam settings so um, it's thinking about well if we want to do more where's the money going to come from uh, you know, we have pretty healthy reserves that we've been prudent, trustees have been prudent, prudent over the years. But we've seen recently, haven't we, what with, um, I guess, over the, the COVID period where tax was perhaps more in the public eye spotlight through things like the COVID relief schemes, that um, you have to say HMRC did an absolutely terrific job of getting up and running incredibly quickly. Okay, yes, you know, there's been some um, challenges around how those schemes were accessed by some individuals and some companies and the challenges that that has has posed. However, um, the principles were there and we've seen in recent days, haven't we, press headlines about individuals with their um, tax stories and their tax positions. And again, tax has been more in the public eye. So it's how do we as an educational charity build on that? Because I think the the general level of knowledge of the general population, I'm making a sweeping aspersion here, but generally, um, unless you are completing a, a tax return yourself, or um, you, know, you get a pay slip uh, at the end of the month, your knowledge, your working knowledge of tax can be fairly limited and narrow so it's the general principles of what is our role to educate the public you know we're a fairly smallish yes okay nearly 20,000 members but 85 staff and a what we call an army of volunteers we can play a part in that dialogue and that public education so I'd see the challenge coming to your um, question in the ho- hopefully not too long-winded away <laughs> is how do we harness um, what's been happening recently in the public eye and um, encourage more discussion and more debate and more education and more understanding of the tax system. It's not perfect, it is complicated, but we can try to make it simpler and more accessible. So given the, you know, the greater public discourse on matters taxation, and of course, there was all the sort of like tax morality discussions and things like that. Um, you know, obviously, the institution that you represent has played a you know educational a membership role. But do you see a more uh, a more public voice coming out of the institute? Is that something where you, one can expect to, to go there? 
Yes, definitely. I mean, we are um, apolitical, so we would never comment on um, political uh, approaches. But um, certainly, you know, with the last um, president, Peter Rainey, and the current president, Susan Ball, have both set us uh, challenges to be out there a bit more. One of our one of our three strategic aims is around our voice. So you may have seen, and hopefully members and others have seen, that we are more vocal and visible, particularly on um, social media. I mean, we, we issue press releases all the time on areas of um, tax policy and tax development and you know anything that's topical around tax. Um, but we have done a lot more over the last 18 months to two years on the comms side to push the education and the messages and the challenge. Well, you're certainly not shy of courting controversy. I, <laughs> I saw that ball design wasn't popular with everyone. Um, I'm all for it, actually. I, I had had enough the owl, so well done. <laughs> yes, it's it's a Marmite logo, that's, that's for sure. Um, yes, but there we are. We can't please all the people all of the time. <laughs> and evolution is a good thing. So. Exactly, exactly. And, and kind of on that topic of, of evolution, you know, with tax, naturally, as you say, becoming a lot more, you know, commercial, a lot more prevalent in the news, a lot more, I guess, in the in the visibility of the general public, even outside of people that necessarily have trained in the subject matter or have an interest in it. With, with I guess, the, the role of a tax professional changing in the landscape of kind of what exactly tax is defined by in a commercial environment, have there been any challenges, I guess, in terms of attracting people to stay in, in the route of tax and sort of go down that route as, as a membership? Is there anything that you're seeing kind of from a trend perspective that from that perspective to attract people to the tax discipline? Um, I think that the challenge is that most people, most people come into tax when they have already qualified as an accountant or in some cases as a lawyer. So it's a second qualification and we don't have a lot of traction with, say, graduates or even uh, younger um, people. So w once you're in the sphere of professional services, either accountancy or, or law, uh, or it could be another profession, um, you then get to find out about tax and your employer will support you or you'll decide to study and, and fund yourself a role in tax. And once you're within that circuit, I mean, we, we haven't seen any decline. If anything, there's been a, a slight uptake in people wanting to register and sit the exams and become chartered tax advisors. And certainly our membership retention. I mean, we're, we really are very um, lucky we have an incredibly high retention rate. It's about 96, 97% year on year, which uh, would be the envy of most professional bodies, I think it's fair to say. Um, but I guess the challenge for us it, and, and for firms, I mean, there's been a huge demand for tax advisors, over, particularly over the last couple of years. And you see that through the, you know, the increase that you must see, Hector, in the um, recruitment sector with adverts out for particular um, tax specialisms and there'll, there'll be peaks and uh, troughs for p particular expertise 
um, but we haven't seen a decline. And I guess where we've been leading and certainly for the last couple of years, resulting in a, a new service for us is a new qualification called DIT, which stands for the Diploma in Tax Technology. So when I first joined back in September, we had a strategy day with our council of uh, trustees in the November. And one of the topics I put on the agenda was the future of the tax advisor. And you know what more or what, what different um, skills, knowledge, experience might they need to have? And that then led to a working group, which then culminated in the um, production of a new qualification, which we launched last November. And I'm delighted that you know, we've had over 160 individuals register for that already. Um, and we're having lots of positive conversations with firms who would like to run uh, pilots uh, of, of their colleagues uh, through that qualification. So, um, yeah, it's it's about keeping relevant. I mean, we're, there's always going to be the core of tax advisors out there with their specialisms, but I see the development will be around the tech space in particular. Not for all, but for a large part. Exciting times. It sounds yeah. like a really good qualification. And uh, the idea of uh, you doing uh, school outreach programs with young people I can only be encouraged. Yeah, I mean, we've got a, a strategy day coming up in March and the focus of that uh, broadly is public education and we'll be uh, bringing along some external speakers for our trustees to engage with. Um, some of whom who've put out some really um, interesting market reports yeah. uh, and thinking about, okay, well, what what more could and should we be doing as an institute in that space? Absolutely. Well, I know that Ecta has always been a poster child, the cheerleader for <laughs> rounding people up and bring them into taxation. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> how are your efforts going in bringing people into taxation? Do you know what it's it's self 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 I guess explanatory at the moment. There's so much out there that's sort of really driving people to be more inquisitive about tax and the complications, the the benefits, the plus sides. All of it, I think, has just become so much more apparent since mm. it's become much more of a more social topic, I would say, or more news driven topic. I think there's definitely a higher level of inquiry into tax and. Yeah. The role and the profile of, of tax has changed from being, you know, very accounting heavy, very sort of numbers driven, very kind of, you know, sitting in an ivory tower and sort of churning up the tax return, although still very important. It, it's become a lot more of an interest point, I think, for people coming up through universities or kind of finance degrees or, or whatever, because of the commercialities associated with it. You know, we're forever... In, in my field and, and what we do, we're forever sitting down with CFOs and now even CIOs and CEOs who are sitting down and sort of saying to us, look, you know, we've got to be aware of the tax footprint. We've got to make sure that we've, you know, got a commercial business partner that's going to be able to drive the initiative and tell us what we need to know from, you know, kind of the, the tax landscape because it's changing so quickly, which I think has only been really positive for people coming into, into tax. There's also been a bit of a, an evolution, I would say, of the boundaries between kind of quote unquote general finance and tax over the years. I think we're, we're definitely seeing particularly that sort of head of tax opportunity and role 
um, sort of almost moving into the stratosphere of more of a CFO or a head of finance, uh, which um, which is a really interesting evolution over the last yeah. few years. I, I see that also in terms of the, since tax has been a board agenda item, there is a different approach. And at a granular level, I mean, sort of like, I think it's unfortunate but people deal with stereotypes and quite often they used to have a view that, you know, it's a very uh, stereotypical view of a two-dimensional boring tax person that nobody spoke to. And I think that's changed because of that commerciality. People are engaging and there's a public discourse. So I think that makes it really interesting. Yeah, and it, it's, it, tax feels more accessible the more you can put um, a story to it, mm. you know, a, a case study, an, an example. It, it's making tax relatable, isn't it? I think it's half the battle. So tell us, where, where are you going to take uh, CIOT? What do the <laughs> next three years look like? Wow. Well, um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see how the strategy event goes with uh, with council in, in March. But uh, I can certainly see us doing more online, um, mm. both in terms of the webinars that we do. Um, not It's not just about um, tax technical CPD updates. We do a lot around professional skills, and I would see that as a growing channel. We certainly uh, got a, a demand for more uh, professional skills, which is, is our way of referring to what others might call soft skills, but I always think, well, it's not, they're not soft, actually, they're some of them quite hard and technical skills to have, um, so certainly a lot more there. Uh, we we do quite a lot internationally, we have a, an ADDIT qualification, so that's our diploma in international tax, we're seeing quite a lot of growth there, so you can do add it across you know 80 odd countries and i expect to see that expand but we're also doing a lot with our licensed bodies so we license australia ireland uh, hong kong and recently south africa to use the cta title um obviously they've had to have gone through quite a rigorous assessment uh, to be able to to use the title but we're building a program um, around global CTA webinars. So if you like, it's international tax topics that are interest to all those professional body members in those jurisdictions. And I see that as a growing area. Well, I've, I've mentioned DIT already, the Diploma in Tax Technology. I see that as a, uh, a real growth area for us. Sure. And, you know, we've, we've talked about tax technical. We've got a fantastic team as well uh, called Litrig, which is the Low Incomes Tax Reform Group, um, which you uh, hopefully will have heard of. They are initially were set up as an initiative of the CIOT. Um, they're a, a department within the CIOT and uh, it's a bit like a Ron Seal uh, product it does what it says on the tin so they really focus on the, those on lower incomes and how tax affects them and they do lots of terrific work uh, responding to consultations um, appearing before committees providing evidence challenging how particular tax policies or legislation may impact on particular uh, community groups 
so I can see that work growing. In fact, you know, we've, we've added additional resource into that team and the technical team. Um, so it's, yeah, really positive. The challenge is, again, sorry, back to sort of Hector's point. Um, we had a quite a, um, uh, a productive branch network pre-COVID, so about 40 branches across uh, the UK and a couple in um, Isle of Man and uh, in, in Jersey, etc. And I think branches are, like with many other professional bodies, again, finding their feet post-COVID, we thought and branches thought that there would be a rush back to in-person events, but we haven't actually seen that. It does depend on the location. So it's finding what's the right balance for members and students and potential members and students and how they engage uh, regionally particularly with a a, a remote-based organization yes we've got a base in london but it's not like a professional services firm where clients come to see you our members are you know twenty thousand members based all across the uk and added affiliates all across the world so it's just that model so i guess the next three years it's it's developing what what does our service delivery look like? Thinking about, well, what other products and services could and should we be offering and how we uh, grow the resource base so we can do more on the technical literate side, which is the public um, education um, angle. All right. That, that's interesting to see where CIOT's going. Talking about you, turning to you, um, you know, you, you obviously had a varied background. Um, and I saw that, you know, you've done your academia bit, you've done the membership things, and you play a big role in charities. I mean, what is it that makes you tick? That gets you up in the morning and say, I'm going to make a difference? Um, I think it's very simple. I, I just, I like helping people. I, I like making a difference. If I, if I think I can do something differently or better, or new, um, that gets that gets me up in the morning. I mean, you might imagine, like with your roles, I'm sure that no no day is the same. Um, I like I relish the idea of a challenge arriving in the inbox or you know at the end of a phone. Uh, I think I'm good at problem solving, um, but I like to look to the future as well as sort of do the navel gaze side of life it's it's looking out there what's happening around us where are the trends what what are the opportunities and how does that apply to the ciot what could we do in that space should we have a voice on those topics what what is our role um so i guess it's always constantly questioning uh challenging and then trying to encourage and take take people with me it's amazing, Helen. Your your resume reads. It reminded me of the quote of "Not all superheroes wear capes." Because not only are you the chairman of the CIOT, you're also a trustee of Law Care. You're also a trustee of Discover Children's Story Centre. I mean, for our listeners that are listening in, how do you manage your time? How do you sort of manage your day to day? Um. I'm pretty well organised. Um, I, I only have uh, a husband and two goldfish uh, to look after, and and they and he looks after me, of course, as well. It's an equal <laughs> partnership. So, I, d I don't have um, children, 
Uh, I've got two very boisterous nephews who I absolutely adore, but equally love um, handing them back to my sister at the end of a, a few hours babysitting or uh, a weekend away with them. Um, so I, I like to fill my free time in the evenings and weekends with um, if I can give my knowledge and, and skills and experience that I've got to others to make a difference, then I'm more than pleased to do it. So hence the uh, law care trustee role and, as you mentioned, Discover. Um, I, I became a trustee there in December. So I'm only just starting to, I guess, get my virtual feet under the virtual table there. I was just going to ask, what is Discover? So Discover is uh, is a children's charity based out in uh, Stratford, and uh, it's the UK's first story centre for children who are newborn all the way up to 11 years old uh, and includes their families. So it's really there to inspire um, children and their families to love language, uh, literature and stories, and it's set over um, two floors of the building and you just go and visit the centre. There's a purpose-built story world and a story garden, which are really sort of creative spaces just to inspire kids and their families to explore their own curiosities and, and imagination. Um, we do a lot with um, schools as well. and We have uh, interactive exhibitions. Uh, we've got visiting authors and uh, illustrators who come along for um, parts of the year and um, and create lots of different activities for children and families to engage with. Um, so yeah, it, it, it offers for some something for everybody. Um, obviously, the up, up to the eleven and their uh, parents or, or carers, um, but also does quite a bit in the um, the local community as well. So you can host parties there if you would like to, and th there's other opportunities to get involved with us. Hector, we can do our party. The <laughs> yes, Helen. Just to add another thing to your your impressive. Oh, yeah. really. <laughs> not, Helen, not just for kids, is it? Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you strike me, Helen, as someone that's sort of been through been through so many different walks of life, so many interacted with so many different people and, and backgrounds, and, and I guess sort of being part of the membership so widely spread. Who's been the most influential person in your life today? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, it might be cheesy and it might get me a bit emotional, but probably my dad, who um, died about five years ago. And, uh, yeah, he, he was a terrific role model to me. He... Um, really inspired me and encouraged me to be independent, always trust my instincts, always um, go and see what's beyond the door that you can see in the, in the distance, um, to trust myself and to trust others. And I guess I learned the, the caring side and the wanting to help side from him because he he studied as um a lawyer he didn't go to university he left school at 16 so he went to night school as was um to qualify as a lawyer 
uh, worked in a law firm, was pretty much considered to be the senior partner in all but title and was referred to fondly, I think, as the oracle. So everyone would, you know, the managing partner, others would go to my dad for advice, not just on law, but probably on lots of other things as well. <laughs> um, so I think he, I know it's, I know it's cheesy and sorry, because I know I got a bit emotional there because it's um, coming up to five years in March that he died. Um, but yeah, he, he would be my in, inspiring person. Amazing. You have such immense social conscience. I'm sure he'll be very proud of what you've done and achieved. Thank you. Yeah, I hope so. I have sort of imaginary conversations with him in my head most days. So, you know, it's it's that one person, isn't it, that you think if you just want to bounce something off, who you pick the phone up to, and it's it's still him, really. And I can't do that, so I have to pretend I'm chatting to him. Oh, now, what would Dad say about this? <laughs> <laughs> for anyone that's seen Helen on the tubes or walking around, <laughs> yeah. talking out loud, don't be alarmed. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Fantastic. How are we with the next round? Well, Helen, are you excited? Are you nervous for the rapid fire? Are you? Oh, uh, are no, you... I'm very excited. <laughs> very excited i'm not sure what you're going to ask me but you go for it oh, well, it's all <laughs> well, before we go there i just wanted to quickly summarize we have had a really interesting discussion with helen we talked a little bit about you know your past what you've done a little bit about siot uh, where it's been where it's going and i think there's some really exciting stuff uh, happening there and uh, and thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself. And, uh, you know, we really hope that, you know, you bring about that change, the different change that I think the institution was uh, hoping for. And I think they're getting with you. I think there's some really exciting stuff happening across the field in the world of taxation. And I do think under your leadership, there is a really good, exciting times ahead of us. Um, and for the tax people, you know, the, the, the contribution you're making to that public discourse. Um, with that, it's over to my colleague, Hector. Dun, 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 dun. Are you ready, Helen? I am ready. I am ready. <laughs> I promise we'll go, we'll go easy. <laughs> so without further ado, what is your food heaven? Curry. Books or TV? TV. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Kim Kardashian or Paris Hilton? <laughs> Do I have to choose? <laughs> yeah, I think that Paris Hilton because I don't know anything about her. <laughs> <laughs> bad haircut or bad dye job? Bad dye job. KFC or Nando's? Oh, KFC. What's the best advice you've ever received? Be yourself. What's your biggest pet peeve? Biggest pet peeve? Yes. People who aren't themselves. That's a good one. Too hot or too cold? Too hot. And lastly, glass half full or half empty? Oh, definitely half full. Yeah, you survived it. Oh, <laughs> that probably wasn't uh, a very good answer, but. Uh... Let me ask you books or TV? TV. 
So what have you been watching lately? Uh, I am re-watching The Wire, uh, which is a, a, a box set for many years ago. Um, uh, yeah, t I don't really watch a lot of television. It, it generally is box sets or films. So really enjoyed watching uh, Avatar 2 just before Christmas, the 3D version, which if you haven't seen it and you liked Avatar and you like that sort of genre of films, it's absolutely fantastic. Just yeah mind-blowing CGI and escapism for almost three hours, which goes within a blink of an eye. I have to go to an IMAX for that. I don't want to waste it on small screen. Um, yeah. At the moment, I'm watching Happy Valley. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, my mum is watching that. A lot of people are watching it, but uh, no, haven't, haven't, haven't seen it yet. Um, so what does a social light like actor do? <laughs> oh well you know <laughs> no i've been living the life of a uh, of a hermit for january as as sort of it says on the tin i've been watching lots of actually connected to the wire helen uh lots of the sopranos uh oh, I, don't yeah. know if I did that last year yeah, yeah. yes yeah. so i uh i've taken the undertaking of all what is it seven seasons and like a gajillion episodes um, so i'm working my way slowly through that at the moment um, is that the oh, first time you're watching it yes it's my first Isn't time it? watching it. Oh, okay yes. wow. yeah. Never, uh, never seen it. I've got to be very honest. My genre of um, viewing is normally very much centered around the kind of comedy or romance. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm kind of on that spectrum. Uh, whereas The Sopranos, my, my other half is absolutely obsessed with. So he sort of said after years of convincing, I think it's taking him 10 years for me to really sit down and actually watch this thing. But it's amazing. Honestly. It's so funny, isn't it? Yeah, it is so funny. well observed. Yeah, in a in a really really weird way, I think everyone needs a bit of a Tony Soprano. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you as our guest. Um, well, thank you for inviting me. And uh, you know, we hope we can you can come back after three years and tell us how you fared then. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll come back and you can mark my homework. <laughs> we'll be talking about all the different aspects of uh, uh, tax and I do think it's going to become a lot more political mm. I think it'll be very difficult to sit on the fence yeah excellent well, Great. well good I, to see you both indeed indeed over to you Ekta well, thank you for listening to The Tax Files. It's been a pleasure as always, listeners. Please just subscribe and get in contact if you wish to discuss any of these topics with us and our team or if you have any questions at all. To stay up to date with announcements, updates and guest reveals, please follow Hansuki on LinkedIn. Thank you very much, guys. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye. Thank you.